Welcome to the One Solution Podcast. In this podcast, we're going to explore if there really is one solution to all the world's problems. And perhaps that solution lies in the mind. The mind is both the source of those problems, but also the solution to those problems. All right, we're alive. Whoa! <laughs> Welcome everybody to the new setup in our new studio for uh, a new format we're going to try out with uh, One Solution, and we're calling it 99 Problems and One Solution. Yay! Because <laughs> <laughs> we're hardcore rappers, that's why. <laughs> so uh, this particular format is going to be about basically taking all kinds of problems in the world, personal, societal, global, and showing how that solution lies within the mind. And it all began by us sitting, thinking, all right, we need to kind of make the point of one solution in this format. And you you had the idea. Do you want to share why you like that idea? The brilliant idea? Yeah. <laughs> or just for the title, you mean? Yeah. yeah. No, I came up with the 99 problems, one solution, because uh, I don't know where it was, but I heard this phrase, 99 problems, and I can't remember what the rest of it is. Envision no, one. I'm <laughs> totally joking. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, I know what the rest of it is. Uh, no, but I was thinking kind of like our premise from the very initial inspiration of One Solution to have the conference, which then led to setting up the nonprofit, was this idea that there are infinite problems in the world and they seem very complicated. But when you understand the mind as the source, you begin right. to see there's only ever really one solution. So I was thinking like infinite problems, one solution. And I was like, 99 problems. Right. <laughs> We're going to solve a lot of problems. And I feel like, you know, between the problems we can come up with and the problems that people on Facebook can bring to us, we can probably cover close to 99 if we do a few of these episodes. Right, so. right, right. <laughs> so uh, the premise is we'll share some of the kind of the problems we see a solution to that's top on mind weekly, but we really want to have you guys engage and, and have these this kind of format be really engaging so that you can uh, come with your questions, um, basically share what you've seen about it and what problems you want to see solutions to in the world. Mm -hmm. And it's not only going to be the two of us, we're going to have guests kind of come in and share with us how they see a solution within the mind to those problems. Yeah. And I really like the idea of people bringing stuff. I mean, we can always talk about either issues that we've been particularly inspired about lately or working with lately or things in the news recently, but um, I think it's always more fun when it's kind of a dialogue. And I, I love slash get intimidated by, but in a good way, the challenge of people bringing problems that they don't see a solution to, and maybe even we don't at first, but kind of the, the wonder and the potential of being able to explore that live in these and see if maybe there is a solution in the mind, you know, right. not to say we're always going to have the answer, but I think looking in that direction tends to simplify it. Right. Right. Exactly. So if you're watching these live or after, please send questions. If we can't answer it live, we'll definitely um, use it in the next episode. So please um, let us know. But should we begin by kind of giving a more of a philosophical why we think there's one solution to literally any problem in the world? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then kind of go from there to a couple of examples. Cool. All right. Let's do it. Let's do it. 
So um, I can begin and then you can kind of go from there. Yeah. Thank you. All right. And then we'll let all these other people go. No, just exactly. <laughs> Manny, our little guy. Oh, oh, oh. Any questions yet, Manny? Our little guy. I yeah. don't know how I feel about well, that, Manny. Well, that's because he's sitting down. Yeah. <laughs> well, to me, it's it starts to become obvious that the world is so, 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 so complex in the outside world. Like, it really has so many moving parts, so many things, so many humans, so many things humans have created from structures to societies to countries. Belief systems. Belief systems. That are widely uh, different from religions, each other. Yeah. organizations. Like the external world as we see it, it's just so full of complexity. And there's just so many things that if you try to solve anything by looking at those parts separately uh, and not holistically, uh, we will struggle. And I think that's what we're doing. We're looking at it as separate things. We're looking at how does this problem uh, be solved? How does this problem be solved? How does this problem be solved? And as soon as you do that, if you look at the medical field, if you don't think holistically about a human body, that actually everything's connected. There's a, like an organic system to the human body. If you try to treat one thing and people become experts in one thing without communicating what's the foundations of everything, we struggle. So mm -hmm. what we have found is kind of the source of it all is the power, the potential, the creative force of the mind, of the human mind, that if you track all of those things, the beauty and the 99 problems and beyond, you can see that they are, had a point of origin. They, 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 at some point they didn't exist mm -hmm. and they came into existence and how they came into existence was via the thoughts of humans. So if we can kind of nail that point of origin, show how we can create something new from that same potential, then we can literally solve anything. Mm -hmm. Not only solve it, but we could stop creating them. Right. Like if, if all problems originate from a thought that becomes a reality, then we can basically stop it before it comes a reality. We can stop at the thought part and then think, this is crazy. Let's not go forward and create this problem right, right now. Mm -hmm. And I think that's why I feel hopeful that we could literally, and we'll go through, we'll get into the specific of this, but go through problems and kind of reverse engineer. How did that actually begin in the mind, in the thinking of people? And how can we kind of reverse engineer, then re-engineer into a new direction? Right. How can we actually address it in the mind? Right. 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 In an easy way, in a way where how can we address it as humanity, right. not how can we address it as a woman in the United States? How can any human address any problem from that same learning? Right. 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 Sorry about that little interruption there. It was a little <laughs> intro, but. <laughs> I just missed the song. Right. I did that on purpose. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And the only thing I was going to add to that is like, 
I think there's kind of that high level um, overview that you just said, which is really seeing that everything in the world is created by the human mind. And we forget that. That's what's so fascinating is we create it and then we, uh, over time, get people to collectively agree upon it. And then it becomes almost embedded in culture or life or the way things are done or society or belief systems or whatever you want to call it. But um, to be able to see that that, I think most people when they hear that are like, yeah, but that's so hard. How do you do anything about that? You know, like it's been that way for thousands of years or people talk about it being very deeply rooted, you know, that's so deeply rooted in people. And there's almost a hopelessness that if something has been in the world for too long, it can't be undone. And I think what I'm excited to explore in these and in the work that we do is actually, it's surprisingly simple. It's surprisingly less um, rigid and solid than it looks. Is, is really educating people about the mind and that everything comes from thought. And if you actually step back and look at it, thought doesn't have a strength on its own. It seems like it has roots. It seems like it's been layers and layers and layers of concrete put around an idea or a way of being. But it, it's fascinating when you realize that that's an illusion. Like I remember when I was in... Um, science class in high school and they did that experiment. I forget what it's called. Of course, I forget what it's called, but where you put uh, mixed water and cornstarch and it creates a substance that appears to be liquid and you can literally pour it and it looks like kind of like white paint. It looks like white liquid, but then when you push on it, it goes hard on you. It goes mm-hmm. solid. Did you ever do this no, in class? No, no, no. It's not a Norwegian thing. Apparently. It's funny because we did this in high school and then recently I saw this Facebook video going around where they created a huge thing of it where people are running on it and it looks like it's going to be water and you're going to fall through, but it's actually solid. Anyway, I just love it because it's super trippy and it messes with people's senses. Right. <laughs> I'm supposed to fall through this and I'm not. <laughs> and it's kind of like the opposite is, is we think these things we've created in the world are so complex and so solid and so unmovable. Right. And yet when you teach people about thought and the fact that it doesn't have an actual form or weight, or matter, or material existence on its own. It is literally an idea, like we've talked about in podcasts in the past with the kids here in Chicago about the idea of retaliation, for example. Right. Seems like such a solid fact out there that they could stand on almost. And then the realization of, oh, this is only something that exists in thought, and it can only be maintained in thought, and what is thought? It's illusory. It's intangible. It's not solid. Right. So that's why we say it's one solution. It's because any human being given the opportunity to better question and understand the true nature of what we're dealing with discovers is not as solid as it looks. Right. And so then it can change quicker. And then the only other thing I'll say is why I feel it's it's 99 problems, one solution is... <laughs> um, We've also discovered that the quickest way to help open people's minds to having new thought come in, which creates new things in the world, is feeling better. 
And we can say more about that later, but just when people feel better, their minds relax, they become less gripped by what they thought life looked like. Right. And in that space of relaxation and relief, there's like an influx or an updraft of new ideas that help help them to see new possibilities in the world and then create differently in the world. Right. And that's what I find fascinating. And like I said, we can get into it more later, but any human I've ever worked with, when they learn about the mind and the power of the mind, they start to relax and feel better. And when they start to feel better, they create different. Right. So people who feel bad do bad in the world. Me too, you too, everyone listening. It's just a rule of human nature. And yet when people feel better, they create better in the world. They create more holistically, more um, kind of in partnership with life, with nature, with each other. Right. Whereas when we feel bad, we all become more self-absorbed, more defensive, more um, conflicted and conflicted in our behavior, if you will. So that's the other reason why I think it's, it's one solution is pointing to the mind as the source of everything created in the world, but also realizing that just by pointing people to their mind, they tend to feel better. And when they feel better, they do better. And any problem gets solved easier when armed with a bunch of people feeling good about how to fix it. Right. Or at the at the bare minimum, if they're feeling bad, they'll have a different kind of experience and relationship to it. Meaning we all as humans kind of go down the roller coaster of emotions. Like that's part of life. That's part from you from born till death. You're going to feel all kinds of emotions. That's natural. That's how it works. But if we understand the nature of that, how that works in a very human way, we won't act in the, as destructive behavior because right. we know what's happening. Right. We won't exacerbate it. <laughs> right. So, for example, me as a person, generally, if I'm feeling, I'm feeling bad, like I have, let's say I have a day or a, an hour or a week or whatever, I'm feeling down. I know I'm kind of like, I call it useless addict. Like, I'm not good for anything almost. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm not able to contribute. I'm not able to think creatively. I'm not able to do a lot of things, but because I know that that I'm down, that it's kind of created within me. It's in your mind, it's not in, in the world. Mind. Yeah. I don't do destructive behavior mm -hmm. in the same way. And I don't uh, blame things outside of me. I'm not angry at anything outside of me, which really, really helps that you stop looking outside for the reason for your emotions, the reason for why you're feeling what you're feeling, uh, what's wrong. You just stop doing that. It's not like you, you stop blaming anything. You just see that that human experience is, is okay and normal in a way. Mm -hmm. So for me, at a very personal level, when I feel good, I do really good things and I really do things, but I want to feel bad I stopped doing all the bad things. And at the bare minimum, uh, if for example, like take an emotion as, uh, as anger, as example, if you know that your anger 
has nothing to do with the outside. You won't blame it. You won't, I won't hurt you. I won't blame you for it. I won't do those actions that I would mm -hmm. if I thought you were the source of my anger. You right. made me angry. You made me, I would have to deal with that. But because I understand something, I don't have to do that. Right. So that at, at, at a personal level, but if you, if you scale that from a, a collective um, knowing uh, within a community or within the world, then you will see that you can have a community or society where people feel all kinds of stuff, but because we generally feel good, right. we will have very productive uh, solutions. We wouldn't create as many problems. And when somebody's down, we would have uh, the ability to know how that works and the ability to have compassion for that and the ability to not do destructive behavior. Right. So that's at the very like basic philosophical level, but we can get give more examples. But I just I just know that to be true for a person, for a society, and for a, for a country. Like take take a, an angry, upset country that blames their experience on another country, mm -hmm. then you're bound to have the same thing as an angry person who blames their wife for what's wrong. You know, it's the same thing. There's no way out of that. Right. Right. Well, and the point you just brought up as a practical, tangible example of it solving a problem is I think you can see two sides of that misunderstanding is if you think your bad feeling came from me, then you're going to want to do things to me to get your good feeling back. Right. You're doing this bad feeling to me, so I have to do something to you to make you go away or make you feel bad. And you can see how on a personal level, on a relationship level, and on a political, a global level, that's at the root of all conflict. Right. Is you caused my bad feelings, so I need to do something to you. Now the opposite, so that that's really at the source of all conflict in all of its different forms from the mild to the extreme. But also on the flip side, you can see how that's really at the core of all the things that we sort of, it's the right word, but uh, without innocently, but misguidedly do um, in order to maintain good feeling. So the opposite is true too, is if people misunderstand that good feeling comes from things outside of them, like certain people or certain material objects, for example, they don't see it's the mind and only the mind. Right. They'll behave in life in a way that's desperately chasing that good feeling right. and doing all the things they think they need to do in the world out here to keep that good feeling around. And so, if, you know, if you look at the state of the environment, um, I saw a really sad New Yorker cartoon that came out on Earth Day that was like an old person talking to a classroom full of children in, in the future and said something like, well, we destroyed Earth, but don't worry, for a short period of time, their stakeholders were really happy. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, like basically we're keeping in place a lot of things that are clearly beyond a shadow of a doubt making the planet sick but it's in the name of keeping us happy financially because somehow having wealth right provides a good feeling that we have to chase no right. no matter the consequences and it's like if we didn't think we needed convenience and wealth and whatever 
um, things that money bring, we would so not be creating those problems in the same way that we are right now. So it's the same thing, both what causes conflict is that misunderstanding of bad feeling and needing to address it out there to the other, the other that's making me feel bad or threatening me, as well as for good feeling creates all of these problems that we are looking at in the world today. From overconsumption and a need for wealth, it is absolutely blown way out of proportion. Right. And if you if you take an example, which seems like a huge thing, like the environment, or or take overconsumption, like that there's so much basically shit we're creating mm-hmm. by doing all these things. Now, if I do that, just scale it down to me. If I, as a person, let's say I'm not eating, like I'm not feeling good or I'm not seeing things clearly. So I'm not, let's say I'm smoking, I'm drinking, I'm eating too much. I'm doing those same things as a, uh, as a person. I'm not taking care of my health. I don't have the bandwidth to do anything. And then whatever's easiest, just get me through the day. Like, yeah. And and, and that's me. (laughs) Now I know that I could watch a documentary on health, healthy eating. I can take a course on how to quit smoking. I can, I can do all those things. The information that is out there to help me is there. It's there. You can, you can access that information, how to change that is there. That, so then we got to ask yourself, if the information is there to how to change a person's life, why aren't people changing? Mm-hmm. Like what is actually the source of someone transforming or making a change? And we know we can prove it's not information. It's not just people being told what's wrong, what what you're doing wrong, what's what's not working. But that's what we're spending our time on. Like if I was that person, I would spending my time on figuring out what to do, how to do what I'm doing wrong, how can I adjust it? But if I didn't have a shift, shift of mind, like something that changed within me, I wouldn't listen. I wouldn't listen to a word of that anti-smoking thing I watched because I, I need to change. I need to have a shift of mind. So I will continue doing all those things until I change. Now, if you take that at a global level, I don't know how many documentaries about healthy eating there are, are right now, but you can go on Netflix, you'll see a lot of them. How many people are working with help, helping people eat healthy? M- millions of people doing that. Um, smoking, wherever it is, like uh, the environment, like how the environment is going. There's so much stuff, knowledge, information that is out there. But if people don't change, nothing changes. Like that information doesn't help. You can go and educate people, but if it doesn't allow people to actually have a shift from the inside, like have a new thought about it, basically, a new reality about it that enables them to then behave differently, that doesn't work. And if you look at the world, we spend 99% of trying to convince people of something, give them information without knowing what actually allows somebody to have a shift of mind or a shift of thought or however we want to call it. And what I feel like that's the key. That's the only way things can happen. That's the one solution to any problem is that actual change happens from a new thought 
it's not from changing all those things outside. Because I know that doesn't help me as a person, doesn't help a group of people, doesn't help the world. You can prove it, you can track it, you can know it. It has to happen by people actually changing, actually having a shift. And how does that happen? They have a realization from, from within, basically, that allows them to reorganize their perception of reality. And, and that might sound like, wow, that's hard, but it's actually way easier than handling all those outside things. So for me, I don't really care how it happens. I don't care your way of doing it or your cultural way in to how to make that happen. But it's still the only way it happens in any culture with any human. It has to really change at the source, at the level of where it was created, that origin spot. It cannot change by meddling with the information around it. So whenever I'm with people and we talk about this, it's like, how can you say there's one solution? Because if you track it down, it is the only way anything changes is that there's a real change happening. Basically, the only way things changes is that things changes, you know? And when it changes at the source, it affects everything. Mm -hmm. So when I feel better, all those things become easier. Eating healthy, quitting smoking, being nice to my wife, uh, creating things, being creative, creating anything in the world, easy. So it elevates absolutely everything. Right. So instead of solve, having one solution for 99 problems, no, one solution for each problem, basically, right. you could go to the source and what actually elevates all problems, mm -hmm. all things we are up against. And, they, and, you know, in our hypothesis, that's the mind, like that's a shift of mind. If, you, if people shift, they have a something that changed within them and shift in thought and how they perceive reality, everything changes. Mm -hmm. And that could happen at scale. Mm -hmm. Do we have any questions? I was going to say, I could build on that, but I want to see if there's any questions. All right, share the comments. So, uh, we got one that says, not because it's right, but because what you are saying rings true. And then we have another comment saying it's so freeing to not be hooked to emotions. So freeing. Yeah. To trust that it will pass. Mm. And that there's this bigger underneath. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I was thinking like, you know how you're saying change only happens when people change on the inside. And uh, since no one gave us any challenging questions, I'm going to give us a challenging question is I think sometimes people hear that and it's like, okay, well, how do you do that? And I, it's funny because it looks to me like, and you said it like doesn't, doesn't even matter culturally how you do that. Just if you know that's where our change All happens right. and you know that only pointing there and addressing it at the source is what's going to change it. But to your point, change all things. Like, that's what I was thinking as I was listening to you. It's like, what we're really describing is a shift in consciousness on an individual and a collective level, a shift in consciousness for humanity. Not in some creepy way, in a very normal way. Right. Is that, and I think the way that that shift is way, way closer than it looks, is just the sheer understanding becoming more pervasive in the world that... 
look, you're a human, you're thinking up your experience of life. And because it's coming from your own thinking, you're going to feel it as really real and true and factual, but it's not. It's just your version of life. It's just your mind's version of life. And to your point, if people know when they're down, not to freak out and go trying to destroy a bunch of things in the world that they think made that feeling happen, or try to go get a bunch of things greedily to try to make them feel better. Like if people just know that, oh, I'm in a feeling that comes from my mind and that creates my perception of the world. But that's true for me. It's true for everyone. I don't have to be defensive of that and I don't have to be arrogant about that. The world would change. Right. Hands down. If kids were learning this in school, like they're learning their ABCs or they're learning to wash their hands after they sneeze or all the other basic things that have become so embedded in human culture, like language. I mean, I know it sounds ridiculous, but we didn't have language and then we did. At some point there was a shift (laughs) and oh my God, the amount of things that became possible for humanity as a civilization when we went from no language to language. To me, this looks like as big of a potential shift for human civilization is we go from not understanding that the mind is the source of everything to understanding that the mind is is the source of everything. And I don't really know how they did the whole language thing, you know, how quickly that happened or how they spread it. But I think similarly, when we are educating human beings from the moment they're alive And it doesn't even have to be like, that's why I think language is a cool example. It doesn't have to be this informational thing we jam down people's throats. It's natural. It's natural to see and understand, oh, yeah, that's true of life. Just like it's natural that children pick up language without efforting very much. They pick it up. And and there's an innate intelligence that grasps language. And I think that's what we've discovered in the people that we work with is there's an innate intelligence that grasps that, oh yeah, of course, of course I'm living in a, in a reality of my own making. Of course it's my mind and my thinking. I can see that in all these different examples. Okay. Now, if we just understood that more widely, more consistently, more universally, we would stop unnecessarily raising children to think the opposite and to create the kind of problems that are getting created in the world because of the current misunderstanding around that. Right. So like when you said it, I was thinking like, if I was some skeptical sitting listening, oh, well, how are you going to do that? Well, that's how in, in my mind is it's, it's taking, it's, it's subtle, but it's profound at the same time of shifting where humanity collectively sees the experience and the reality we're in is coming from to where it's really coming from. And there are a million different ways that we can do that. Right. And it's not like that hasn't been pointed out before. Like it, it really has like for thousands of right. years in different forms. Every religion in a way is pointing to that. Every to philosophy. S- yeah. Right. Has been trying to say that, but you know, I don't think we've realized how important, important it is in really creating societies and actually solving huge issues. It's been a thing you can learn if you're interested in it for yourself, but like actually like the big, this, this is what creates everything, the whole world. Like if people know this, like a simple, I like what you said, like if it's as simple as that, the leaders of the world 
the children of the world, the people who just knew a simple thing that they're creating their own world and it's not objectively real. It's mm -hmm. like their own unique thing. Can you imagine two presidents of two countries talking with each other, knowing that they had created, that their country was thought created, that it was their system wasn't right. objectively good. It was what their country had created. That meant that they could actually keep that country, keep that identity and the same way I want my identity different than yours, but knowing that I'm making my up my identity, you're making up your identity, we can then coexist so much easier just because mm -hmm. we know something about how we create our own world. And that affects hugely. Like, could you imagine countries doing that? Like being able to keep the system, not fighting, trying to change other countries, trying to have your culture become my culture, but just knowing, hey, I created my culture. It looks a little bit like this. Uh, I don't know if it actually is working that well. I started questioning some of my own thinking about my culture, how that will be received with a different culture is just amazing. The same way it's it's a level of humbleness that is always meant uh, met with humbleness. Like it's always met with a continual I get it feeling. Well, and I think that that and again I, I don't I don't want to state this. I want people to look and see if they don't if it doesn't resonate as true for them because it, I have seen this time and time again is that when people have a shift in consciousness or a shift in state of mind, whatever you want to call it, where they feel better. And and I, what I find fascinating is that people become more um, at ease with the fact that we have differences of opinions, differences of beliefs, which is a way of just saying we have different minds, we have different thoughts, we have different versions of reality. Right. One of the byproducts of that is then you naturally feel... Um, more compassionately connected to human beings as opposed to divisive and kind of locked into your own way of seeing it. So there's this interesting thing where like, on the one hand, those two leaders of those two countries don't feel this need to like be the better one, be the right one, be the superior. But the good news is, is, is also um, there's less um, terror created in the world just simply by that realization We're so i was afraid right so i was thinking like with what's going on in syria right now or if you look back at hitler in germany like well wouldn't you want to go after that leader and show them that their culture their reality they created is terrible and harming lots of people well that's what i find is fascinating is yeah as more as this as this becomes more collectively understood you, you, you begin to see that when when people feel better in themselves, like we said before, they naturally want to do better collectively in the world. They want to essentially be kinder. Right. I guarantee you Hitler felt bad. I guarantee you every leader that's ever looked at how can I destroy a bunch of people was somehow desperately seeking a feeling outside of themselves by in some cases, genocide, getting rid of a whole group of people. I mean, that's a crazy idea that that person thinks is real and then acts upon. But 
I've never seen a human that when they realize the nature of their own thinking is pretty made up, pretty illusory, that didn't relax and naturally feel better and see the world in in a way in which they wanted to do better in the world. It's almost like our thought systems create this illusion of separation and threat. And when our thought systems relax, we don't see other people as threat. We see them as just another human making up their reality and we're um, connected to that in a way. Right. In a way that's natural and effortless. That's such a huge point. And I think that might have been easier when we actually lived in small groups. But now, because there are millions, it's easier to create this imaginary disconnection. Like that now the the opposition is in the the next door <laughs> you know it's 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 bigger it's so huge everything's so connected that it, it is just so important to kind of see that piece you said of like understanding and ha- and seeing that natural compassion for people because it, it is what drives you know now it's eight billion people And I can like, I think it's so helpful when people can see, oh yeah, duh, this is true on the micro personal level and the same way on the macro level. Like I can humbly admit that when I feel bad, I'm way more inclined to get irritated with people and think what they're doing is wrong or annoying. And, And I mean it like on a really basic level. It's like if I'm in a really low mood and I don't know that it's just my mind, I blame everything and everyone. And I want to do mean things to those people because I feel bad toward them. (laughs) And I give you like a really embarrassing, stupid example, but it's like, if I'm in one of those days where my mind is like, and I've got a million things going and I'm stressed and I see someone walking in front of me who's moving slowly, I find them annoying. Like, I'm on the sidewalk, I'm trying to get somewhere, and you are in my way. And what are you doing? And can't you feel me back here? Can't you feel that I'm trying right. to move quickly, right. and you are the only thing in my way? And what I'm do I want? I'm you right now. You're not picking it up. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And if I was crazy enough, if I didn't understand it enough, I could push them, you know, out of my way. Right. Because they're standing in my way. Right. Like, I I can relate to that on a human level. I'm embarrassed to say, but I'm also human enough to say, oh, yeah, I have been in that headspace before. I've been so absorbed in my own thinking, my own stressed out state of mind that I see an innocent stranger in front of me on the sidewalk is a problem that I want to move out of the way. I didn't know that. I kind of of fucked up. (laughs) (laughs) I told you I got 99 problems. (laughs) No, but I think it's helpful to see, I mean... It's not like I walk around in that feeling all the time, but I have been in that feeling before and people are like that all the time in their car or, or you go to get coffee from someone and they do your order wrong. And if you're in a bad mood, you feel like they did it on purpose. Like, really? Right. You didn't hear what I said. Like we take things personally and we want to do things externally when we feel bad. And I can see that in myself. So yeah, why wouldn't it just be the exact same thing? on a macro level, on a global level. And that's how you end up with people doing a lot of things externally to hurt large numbers of people because they misunderstand that somehow that's going to make them feel powerful or make them feel better or make them feel like we got it right. Right. I made reality in the way it's supposed to look like. No, you fucking made that up. 
Yeah. And then you got real aggressive and rude about it. And look what you did. Right. <laughs> like, is... Sorry, listeners, we don't like the word fuck. We're saying it a lot. It's okay. Just voice. Yeah. But I think that's why I can see that whole 99 problems, one solution. It's like, yeah, no, me too. Yeah. Me too. On a small level, I can see how... I've been that way before. And if I didn't know it was my own mind playing tricks on me, I would push the person out of the way in front of me. I would. And that's what we've got in the world today is a lot of mild and extreme examples of people externally trying to change their experience when that is not actually how human experience works. Right. Well, time is flowing, We've got to wrap right? up here. we got to wrap got... up. So... Uh, I don't know about you and I. Do we have time? Were there any questions or are we good? Oh, nice. Well, we'll definitely cool. take the time to read through the comments. Yes. And if anyone watches this later and has a topic for the next one, for the next one, this is more of like an introductional or like philosophical. We can really, right. really dive into examples. If you're like, what about this or this or this? Then we can kind of right. flesh that out in the next episode. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Bring yeah. it on. Yeah. And if you like this, share it, do all that stuff that you do on social media, do it. Because if, you know, we want humanity to collectively understand something new, it turns out social media can be helpful for that. Wait, it was so sure I've been told. Like it. Yeah. <laughs> or we're just in an echo chamber in our own kind of algorithms. This is Facebook. our new hamster wheel, Facebook. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably true, actually. But anyway, I'm going to go with it. Yeah. All right. Thank you so much, guys. Thanks, everybody. See you on the next episode.